Real fast, I wanted to tell you about my new podcast, Upworthy Weekly. It's a lighthearted news podcast. It comes out on Saturdays, and I have forced my co-host, Todd Perry, to join me here to help me tell you about our new venture. Todd, why should they listen? Well, I mean, a lot of people, they think, oh, it's the Upworthy podcast. It's just going to be sunshine, and it's going to be unicorns. But you know what? It's really not that. Allison doesn't have the ability, she doesn't have it in her to actually be that person that I thought we were hiring when we did this show. But clearly, after just a couple episodes, the facade dropped, okay? I thought, you know, she's doing the Upworthy show, it's not going to be like, oh, neurotic, cynical, Allison, but no, she's there. So, you know, I try to counteract that with some of my good vibes. <laughs> um, and, uh, I would argue that if one person is coming off as a little bit cynical and unhinged right now, it's not me. It comes out every Saturday, wherever you get podcasts. Bye. Allison Rosen, Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Allison, Allison, with her the good times never end. Allison Rosen, doing the way that's fancy again. Allison Rosen, Allison's your new best friend. Hey everyone. Hi. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I'm very excited to welcome my guest in a moment. But first, I must catch up with my producer, the bad boy of podcasting, Tony Thaxton, who is back in town after his stupid big rock tour Thank of you. the whole Once country and you. other countries. He's back and he's promised to never leave except for occasionally. Hello. Welcome back. Hi. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that was accurate, was it not? Uh, to you, yes. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what else is there but accurate to oneself? That, uh, I think Shakespeare said that. To, thy, to thine own self be accurate. Yeah, I think it's in the Bible also. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I do live my life by that book. I, I know you do. This is How's a Christian going? podcast. I know that you had an exhausting tour, mm -hmm. which I have, you know, maligned you and love, besmirched. Yes up and down and then you came back and then you lied or laid fallow for 45 seconds and then you went out <laughs> last night and you played in two bands you did a show with don't stop or will die townland and sloppy boys and of those three bands you played in two of them that's correct yes and then on this past saturday i also played with jonah ray so like yeah in the past two weeks i've played with four bands i guess and uh yeah I, I tour was great but it was very long and i was ready to get home and rest for a little bit and uh yeah that's not really happening <laughs> yeah because i i don't know how to say no when people ask me to play shows apparently didn't your arm like almost explode on an airplane or something well, <laughs> out of context, that sounds real crazy, but yeah, that's kind of accurate, yes, but that was a long time ago when there were some issues after I broke my arm and it got infected and all that, so yeah. But, but I mean- 2009. It, in context, it also was a crazy story, and if people would like to know the crazy story, go back and listen to my entire back catalog, specifically the episodes with Tony Thack. Look, look, 
Lick it. The, the entire <laughs> thing, said, though. You've, you've said, been telling it the story in one minute increments over the years. <laughs> and uh, yeah. you'd finally get the full tale. Let's not gloss over the fact that I just said lick it. <laughs> when I was trying to say look it. I said lick it. Lick, lick it, people. Look it, people. I can definitely tell you it's not on an episode that doesn't have Tony. So it's on an episode with Tony. It's on an episode where he was the main guest. And I just don't remember if it was like, which one. Yeah, and I don't think I'm it was sure just, either. I but don't think it was like, just a Patreon episode. Yeah. I think it was, it was like kind of like early days of me working for you. Like 2018, yes. 19. When was it? I don't know. Something I, like that. It was in Probably this 19. studio. Yeah. So that doesn't narrow it down. Yeah. Look, all I know is you have a gnarly scar, and I did say it lightweight on purpose. You have a big scar on your arm from when your arm almost exploded because you don't know how to say no. And mm-hmm. I am trying to help you by making you feel guilty about playing drums So in all these bands, and it's not working, so no. I'm going to have to kick it into a higher gear. Okay. Are you threatening to give my arm another infection? Is that where this is going? <laughs> I didn't even give your arm the first infection. <laughs> well, I know, but that's why it almost exploded before was because of an infection. So you're g- it's going to take an infection to make my arm explode is what I'm saying. You don't know that for sure. That's true. I'm not a doctor. That's right. And I'm not one either. But I'm just saying if your arm has been weakened, like you already <laughs> flew too close to the sun. And yeah. both metaphorically and literally in an airplane, that's when this happened. Maybe it was because of cabin pressure. Well, to be fair, I, it was it was before I got on the airplane. Oh. Yeah. Okay, so your arm nearly exploded and then you got on a plane with your gross arm. Yes. All wrapped up and got picked up immediately and went straight to the doctor. <laughs> and then, because you're crazy, you, you, you continue to use... For me, I would be like, okay... I'm going to never use this arm ever again. Well, this but was you can't stop using it. This was pre-working also in podcasting days. And all I know how to do is play drums, especially back then. What I that was a moment of panic of like, what, what if what if this arm I what if I can't use it anymore? I don't know how to do anything else. So you had to squeeze out all the use of it. Yeah, exactly. but, but put that sentence in order. <laughs> make it make it make sense yeah I'll, I'll edit this all together and make it perfect yeah well what i'm trying to say is it's nice to have you back it's good to be back <sighs> even though it's zoom i know L- I know look I had to get it in there i'm i know and on the most recent thursday episode uh right before the show started your equipment didn't work your audio equipment and you had a very wee fit that sounded so British, didn't it? I feel like they would say that across the pond when they're taking the piss. Um, and you used some foul language. And I didn't think it was very bad at all. However, afterwards, you sent an email apologizing for your grouchy mood. And I was like, that wasn't necessary. And then I was looking at the clip. And, you know, Instagram is forcing us all to do reels and stuff. And I was like, what if I trimmed this and made a little clip and put it on Patreon I mean, sorry, not put it on Patreon, put it on Instagram. It was like, you guys, if you subscribe to Patreon, this is what you get to see because everyone on Patreon gets to see the full Thursday video. Oh, shit. I, I didn't do that. it, though. I was going to get your permission first, oh, but I was going to show mean, people what what, you know, what Tony's like when he's really <laughs> <laughs> letting it all hang out. 
Yeah, I mean, it was just, you know, look, I was excited to be back, but then it was just immediately frustrating with technical issues. And I, yeah, I got I got annoyed and uh, I wasn't I didn't want anyone to think I was upset at them or something. Yeah. But yeah, it was just it was annoying. I understand. I'm just saying I have blackmail. I have compromat. <laughs> yes, with a thing that you literally just said wasn't that bad. So. Maybe I just I might have just said that to it's make it seem better smart <laughs> anyway <laughs> enough of this bullshit if you will um we have a guest sitting here and i just looked down at the time and my god i can't believe that i have wasted this much time of our guests evening i'm very excited to welcome this gentleman back to the show he has a brand new special that everyone please whatever you're doing Take out your, well, your phone is presumably out if this is where you're listening to it, or if you use a paper calendar, whatever kind of device you use to remember upcoming things. I need you to circle April 14th or set a reminder or write it on your friend's hand and then don't let your... <laughs> April, August, they're all the same. Whatever August you 14th. Do, just remember April 14th. <laughs> <laughs> August 14th. August 14th. August 14th. If you say it three times, then it really sticks. Mm-hmm. August 14th, his special is coming out on YouTube. I had the pleasure of watching it last night. It was so funny. I laughed out loud many times. Uh, he is a comedian. You know what, Tony? I need to take a moment. I'm a professional who's been doing this for a long time, but you know when you say a word over and over how it loses meaning? Mm-hmm. I have gotten to that point of doing introductions where I can't remember anymore. Do I give the person's credits and then say their name at the end, or do I yeah. say the person's name and then no, give their no, credits? No, no, no. You got to say the name last. Okay. So I give the whole spiel and then and then the the people are like, I can't take it anymore. I've got to know their name. And then I say, please put your hands together for so-and-so, so-and-so. Yeah, you keep them on the edge of their seat. Okay. Who is it? Who is it? All right. He's got a very funny special coming out August. But now when do I say the name of the special? (laughs) Now that's your, I can't get, I can't get involved with that. He's got a very funny special coming out. And that should have come at the end. All right. <laughs> he was one of the stars of Chelsea lately. He's one of the founders of the very innovative Nowhere Comedy Club. He's the host, head writer, and executive producer of Idiot Test on Game Show Network and Pluto TV. He is uh, featured on Disney Plus's Just Beyond. You can see him on The Young Turks. He's a political commentator. He's all over the place. He also ran for president, and he's been on my show a number of times. Please put your hands together for Ben Glebe. Hello, hello. Hello. How did that feel? I've lost my ability to do intros and I never really had it anyway. <laughs> it felt really good. Uh, you you skipped the name of the special part. That's the only thing that, that you missed. But I think I can say it maybe or you well, can say it. I want to say it and then I want you to say it. Sure. I, I just want to say to everyone that thing I said about April, forget that. Forget it, nothing that. good happens. April's Zero. the cruelest month. Showers nothing come, good April happens. April rains. Yeah. April's stupid. April, April's but dumb. On August 14th, yep. you are going to be watching The Mad King on YouTube. It's Ben's special. How was yes, that? Yes, that was really, really great. I, I don't you. know if I want to remember the name, but I, I, it sounds good. I'm going to watch in, in April something called The, the, the Making... 
No, the Mad King. I'm, I'm missing that up. Um, the okay. Mad King. The Mad King. August, the Mad, like a king who's mad. Oh, I understand. Now, now I the get name it. comes from the fact that you call your devoted following, or maybe they called them themselves this, the Mad Ones. Explain how this came about. Because, and I know this from watching, they think, it, let me see if I can phrase this correctly. It's Look, it's late in the day on Friday. I'm very tired. <laughs> I am hoping you'll interview yourself and I can just, and I think yeah. you'll relate to this having now seen your special. I'm hoping I can take a nap. Um, I think we both have the same sort of- Okay, now it sounds like you're saying that having seen my special, it made you want to take a nap. And <laughs> no. I feel like that's- No, message. that's not what I'm saying. What I'm okay. saying is having seen your special, I know that you and I are both people who enjoy yes. napping. I do like napping. And I'm saying that I am feeling like I do not have what it takes to, how can I put this? That doesn't, I, I just feel that I don't know that I can rise to the moment right now, but I'm going to be able to. I think you can. I can do it. I'm on barely any sleep as well. And I think that I can. I know. Now, I why are you both of us? Okay. So my two questions, and I'm going to throw them out at the same. I have more than two. Don't worry. Okay. But right now there's two on my mind and I'm going to throw them I out understand. before I forget them. I need sure. to know why you got no sleep. A and B, um, where did this whole mad ones come about? Because as I know from your special, for for the for the mad ones, your followers, listeners, fans, you are their Grateful Dead. What? I guess so. Yeah, they travel around and come to my live shows all over the country, all over North America. Even Um, they see multiple of my shows um, and. the name came about in a couple of ways. I created during the pandemic, like you mentioned in the intro, the world's first and I think best virtual <laughs> comedy venue called Nowhere Comedy Club. And I created a show that I do there regularly called Gleeb Off the Top Crowd Work and Improvised Madness. I improvise it every week and it's a Got very it. mad, weird show. And the attendees of the show come week after week or now I do it about once a month and they really seem to love it. And the show's just very wild and weird and mad. And we embrace a good kind of madness. And so, and I've always loved the Kerouac quote, the only people for me are the mad ones. Mm-hmm. Mad to speak, mad to talk, mad to celebrate, mad to do all the things. You know, I'm butchering the quote, but I always love the sentiment of people that are just mad to experience life in every way. That good definition of mad. So I started calling them the mad ones. And they started calling me the mad king in this show. And so I would, and I do a lot of virtual filters in 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 this virtual show not in my special and so i started putting this like virtual crown on at the end of it i say this very stupid phrase extravaganzasm prepared and the mad ones (laughs) shout extravaganzasm advanced and it's just very fun weird little community the show takes place in mad town it's this global virtual community and i elect a mayor and during the shows and anybody that's listening can can feel free to come to one of them and be part you instantly the town's very welcoming and you become part of this town part of this community and it continues all week on facebook and a fan group and the mad ones town council of elders and youngers which includes <laughs> everybody we want to make Wait, sure we're very inclusive where i'm sorry what is the extravaganza quote extravaganzasm prepared and then extravaganzasm Extravaganzasm, correct. Like an extravaganza mixed with an orgasm. Right. And then what do they say? Extravaganzasm advanced. Got it. You see, I prepare it and they advance it. I see. 
Mm-hmm. And and uh, so that's a little bit of the origins of that. Plus, as you've now seen the special, you're the only person that has seen the special outside of my immediate team. Oh, my God. How, how many people are on your team? Uh, not that many. These days, probably like on on the special, maybe like eight people or something. So I'm like number nine. I can handle number that. Number nine. Plus the live audience that saw it. But they didn't see the final cut. You're the first to see the final cut outside okay. of the immediate team. Okay, good. I want to feel special. And, and it's not you. quite the final cut, actually, but very okay. close to it. That's part of why I was up all night tweaking. Oh. But anyway, um, and so that is that part of it. But also, as, as you see in the special, like I get pretty mad about a lot of things going on mm-hmm. in the world. I get pretty intense. And also, I talk about my own therapy and my own madness and losing my shit in a fight I got into in the <laughs> parking lot. And and that's not no that's not normal that, that's a bit mad so all of that you know i kind of have both like the anger about things going on, on the planet but also my own internal madness and a good fun willy wonka esque kind of madness as well which i love and try to keep that silliness in my life as well and then plus the fact that um you know i ran for president and i did not win and so i figured why not just declare yourself king since you can define terms now in this world there's no more truth. And I talk about that in the special too. This post-truth era, you can just define your own terms. So why not call yourself the Mad King? And also it's a little bit of a of a needle towards Trump as well, who thinks he actually is the king and is trying to still, you know, cling to power that he lost a long time ago. If you had won the presidency, yeah. would you still be doing my show today? Yeah. Thank you. Thank yes. you. That is the right answer. Absolutely, um, I would. So you came on my show during your your run for president. I did. Uh, and I remember we talked about the fact that when I heard you were running for president, and I think that a lot of people initially when they heard, they thought this is like, this must be a joke because you're mm-hmm. a comedian. You know, obviously, like you're politically active, but at the same time, you're a comedian. So this must be like when Colbert, you know, ran. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually. bullshit campaigns. Yeah. Um, a stunt. But right. in talking to you. Um, you know, I learned that, no, you were taking it quite seriously in looking back on it. Do you, how do you feel about it now? Like, do you wish that you had won? (laughs) No, I'm very glad that I didn't win in retrospect because I was only running, um, to make sure we defeated Trump and, and we did do that. And so there's at least some semblance back towards normalcy and democracy. Like I, I definitely am into politics. I don't talk direct politics in the special. I mean, maybe a little bit of social issues and political issues mm-hmm. a little bit. I don't mention Trump's name ever in it very intentionally, but, um, but I just think he's an existential threat to the country, to all of our yeah. peace of mind, to all of us having to chill lives to the, for the whole planet really. Cause he's just like winding is unleashing so much garbage. And so I just, Literally was being kept up at night thinking that if I didn't try, I, th- I thought maybe a comedian would be needed to take down a heckler that is, that is him. And I would, and I, and I knew that in debates, I'd be able to crush him because he's a heckler. He talks shit more than he mm-hmm. is a policy person. And there's nothing I'm better at in this world than destroying hecklers <laughs> and, and putting them in their place. And so I figured I could be of service in that way. Um, but, um, when the campaign ended and then Biden got the nomination, I mean, I was speaking at it. I don't know how early, I can't remember how early in the campaign I was on your podcast, but um, I think it, it was after I was on your podcast and probably it was the bump from your podcast that did this. 
But I was all of a sudden then getting these like really major things like Larry King interviewed me. Oh, yeah. The Rose and Bump. I did that. Yeah. The Rose and Bump. I called up Lair. I called up LK. Yes. You're I, welcome. Uh, I spoke at events on the campaign trail, many of them with the other major candidates. I followed Biden and Bernie and Warren on stage at the AFL-CIO convention and got a standing ovation. So it like we finally got to resonate in a very serious way. This is one of the newspapers that like that defines what candidates get taken seriously in one of the two most important early voting states of, of New Hampshire, the, the uh, Nashua Telegraph. Look at the front page I have on my wall here of, of the Nashua Telegraph. Comedian Ben Glebe campaign. Now I'm just seeing my face because I was talking. This is a Zoom <laughs> thing. You read it, Ben. The uh, comedian Ben Glebe campaigns for presidency on the cover. But that all said, I'm very glad it worked out where I did not have to have the responsibility of that. I'm a comedian at heart. I just want to be a funny person. But I also got to achieve my goal. I ended up getting to advise the Biden campaign on his debate strategy. And then Biden came out, if you remember, really strong in those last couple of debates and was like saying, shut up, man, like to a sitting president yeah. and, and and ended up winning. And so I think I did my part and I got to return to being a very stupid idiot. And Wait, how did you make light of the world? Yes, I remember. He was like, oh, would you just shut up, man? And that was like a very strong moment for him. Yes. Um, that and the fly that buzzed around Pence's head are a couple moments. Landed that on forget. his head and was there for like yeah. five minutes. I know. <laughs> Do you watch Westworld? What was I, that fly doing? I know. Um, I, I did watch the first season and a half until it just became like, now they're just stretching. Oh, okay. Well, there's a lot of stuff that happens with flies I, in I the remember the fly. season. The fly on the eye, right? Oh, the I mean the fly plot has really extrapolated. Oh, the fly becomes a robot advanced. or something, right? I I can't even begin to tell you what's oh, yeah, happening. With it's 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 you've missed so much. Let's just say oh, okay. the, there's so much. Go- In this season, flies are used to like control what people do. Ooh, yeah, flies. So I'm just saying that fly. Who knows what it was doing with Pence? Um, True okay, that. but back to wait. So what? How did you advise Biden? Um, I just ended up becoming part of this group that I am not at liberty to talk about in more detail, but I'm, I, got, I became part Damn. of this group that had a, a direct line, somebody from his campaign. And during the debates, I would in real time and afterward get to give uh, some pretty uh, strong feedback. And I, I think it helped them. I think, I hope they implemented it. I can't say for positive that they delivered it right to Biden's ears, but I I would think that they did. You were like a joke writing team for Biden or like a, ca- a kitchen cabinet inside the cabinet, like yep. a glass inside his cabinet. Yeah. That was pretty um, cool. It was pretty fun, but I'm very glad that, and then, and then the pandemic hit like right after. And so I just was so burnt out on all things politics and all things serious that I like went the other way and became this like silly, like I said, virtual comedian with face filters and I play robots and monsters and I turn into celebrities and do impressions and am just silly. I became a prop comic for a minute and was just like the opposite of anything serious. I think I needed it just to, can, for, for my sanity. Can I ask you one more uh, debate question and then we Absolutely. can move on from that? Where were you during the debate? Virtual is all virtual. Okay. So like you'd like hear something and then like send a text or something? No, we were like all on a thing. Oh. We were all on a live kind of uh, I know you can't talk about it, but it's killing me brain to not know. Thing oh, that's we were, fascinating. Yeah, it was cool. Um, yeah, when you came over in the middle of your uh, presidential run, you were like, you were in a suit. I was like, who is the who is this politician <laughs> in my house? Yeah, you had completely morphed. 
I had, I mean, I think I was myself, but I was just trying to show that I can clean up and I can mm-hmm. be a respectable leader if the nation wanted me to be. I didn't want people thinking, well, he's not, look, he's a comedian and he's unshaven and he's right. dressed like a bum. There's no way I want them to realize like, yeah, also every president wears jeans and is unshaven when they're not doing a thing. And so I just wanted to show that I have a serious side that I could turn up if needed to, you know, help save the planet or whatever. So you know, some bullshit like that. <laughs> so let's talk about your special now. Sure. When uh, did you film it and where? And even though I just asked a question, I'm going to shove in a statement, which is I thought it was so funny. And I really uh, I really liked the stuff about the pandemic, I have wondered, you know, how are comedians going to handle the pandemic? Because I think like a lot of people who've lived through it, I don't really feel like, and like the feedback I get whenever I talk about it on my show, people are like, I don't want to hear about it. I don't <laughs> and I'm like, well, suck it. I'm going to talk about it anyway, because I'm living through it. But at the same time, like there's this sort of COVID fatigue. Um, and, and yet I loved the material you did about it. Thanks. Thank you. Um, so I recorded it uh, due to the glacial pace of all things entertainment industry in January, the end of January. So it's been uh, seven and a half months since I recorded it. And, uh, you know, uh, Helium Comedy Studios produced it. Their brand, their amazing comedy club chain that has now started a TV production company and they're producing a, a bunch of specials. And so they're editing a bunch at the same time. So I understand mm-hmm. that it took a minute. But, um, Mine is one of the first four that are coming out um, all this, around the same time. Alonzo Bowden, Jade Cotapreta, Randy Feltface, and mine are the first four. Um, and uh, about the where? pandemic stuff, like how do I write this? How did I write that stuff? Are you saying or um, no? Wh- where did you uh, oh, do it? Uh, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Philadelphia. Um, I mean, yeah, I did. I didn't. That wasn't specifically my question, but I guess. Uh, guess um is that my question is that my question i mean look i think i think the the pandemic obviously is something that a comedian can't avoid mentioning in an hour special when we just lived through two years of the most surreal strange time in life possible and i just you know tried to come at it with a lot of the frustration we all feel and i tried to make it as try to make that section just as laugh out loud like funny as i could i'm not trying to talk you know policy about the pandemic i'm trying to just point out the absurdity we all were like adjusting on the fly to very very strange time and we were doing a lot of stupid things that in retrospect just even a year later don't make any sense and it's very fun to point that out the i mean i had forgotten about like wearing a mask outside when there's no one around and walking in the middle of the street because you're not going to take a chance on the sidewalk. I completely forgot about that. <laughs> and it just felt a little bit, it was our one bit, bit of control. For yeah. me, I was walking the street, I was kind of like, I'm a little bit of an outlaw. Like, the world might be ending, but there's no cop that's going to be stopping yeah. us for walking in the middle of the street. And I would walk with alcohol every night. My now fiance had a glass of wine. I had a beer or a cocktail, sometimes literally double fisting, walk in the middle of the street and that was the one joy we had. I was like, well, at least we can do open containers outside like it's Louisiana or Mexico up in here. Yeah. <laughs> do you remember I came over and was a guest on your podcast? Yeah. Do you still do that podcast? I do, but I do it very sporadically. Last week on Earth, I have not done it recently. And so it's almost not even worth plugging, but I will be bringing it back soon. I just yeah. don't know exactly when. 
I was an in-person guest on your podcast in February of 2020. Yeah. And we talked about news. And one of the news stories was a coronavirus on a ship. And I remember talking about they call it a coronavirus because of the shape the of crown. the crown. Yeah. I mean, and then I remember I left my glasses at your house and we picked them up like on our way home from Elliot's soccer, which is, I think probably that was like the last or almost the last time that he ever had an in-person soccer thing Oof. with that group. And then it like all rapidly shut down. It was one of the last, it was probably like one of the last in-person uh, podcasts I was a guest on before it all got shut down. It's so crazy. It's just so weird. We've just been yeah. through a thing. I, I don't think we've at all processed yet no. the the psychic trauma of the whole thing. Mm -mm. Um, I, I think it, it, it really is like kind of changed me in some ways. It is the thing. It's just changed a lot of people. It, it's just, I think it's cut out a lot of the bullshit. I think it's probably um, made me less patient with some things. It's made me less wanting to deal with people wasting my time with, I fired my longtime manager. I, I, I'm just, I just I realized like how, fragile things are and I'm not getting any younger and I just don't have patience anymore for people that repeatedly kind of let you down. Mm -hmm. I, you know, parted ways on a couple friendships that were just toxic repeatedly for years and years and years. And I just said like, I can't do that anymore. Like, um, although I'm probably kind of, I'm kind of opening the door to both of those again a little bit, but, but you understand the point. Yeah. Um, why, what, uh, what is the relationship between, even though I sort of suspect I know, but can you talk more about the relationship between how the pandemic led you to feel like maybe it's time to cut out some toxic relationships? Yeah. It's just when you're just faced with your own mortality, when you literally, you know, there was that real fear part where mm -hmm. we thought we might die, where we thought, I mean, I got coronavirus very early and lost my sense of smell. Ended up leading to a blood clot that oh my god almost killed me. Like if I had, I mean, not, I don't know, almost killed me. But if I, the doctor said that if I waited one more day, it very likely would have went up to, to, to my body and caused a stroke or heart attack. Jesus! And I just very luckily, you know, caught it in like barely in time because my lady made me make a doctor's appointment and saved me really. And my dad pushed me towards that too. And um, it's just. You just all of a sudden see all this junk and and it made me start it made me just value the people that are like real and are close to you and that really love you and that you really love more than superficial relationships a lot more. And um I mean I'm not fully cured, but like I still love entertaining, I still love throwing big parties, but even my parties are like way more small, way more intimate big parties. Like I used to this invite anybody that I was friendly with that I liked in, in this business, I'd invite like 450 people to my birthday parties and they would take over my house and just run amok. And now, and then during the pandemic, when life came back briefly before it shut down again, I maybe had like a hundred, 150 people coming through the house, which was pretty crazy and probably too mm -hmm. many. And then I had a birthday party just recently and I, it was like, 30 or 40 people. And that's pretty unusual for me. You were still on the invite list, of course. Thank you. And can I tell you the irony, the reason I didn't, I wanted to come so bad and I really don't want to fall off your invite list. Don't take me off, please. You're, you're, but, you're close because you don't come ever. I so know. you're getting close. <laughs> I know I'm, I'm right on the bubble, 
But anyway, the reason I didn't come is because we were going to Tucson to visit Daniel's dad. And I was like, I just want to be really safe and like, you know, not expose myself or anything oh, yeah. before we go there. That was a we good reason. fucking got COVID there. Oh, no way. Yeah. Shit. Uh, yeah. So we go there. And uh, Daniel's dad did not get it, though. He's the only one who didn't get it. Um, My three-year-old got it first, and then Mm. my five-year-old, and then uh, my mother-in-law, and then we drove back. And then Daniel and I didn't get it for days and days and days. And I was like, we're not going to get it. Like, we're fine. And then seven days later, Daniel got it. And then I felt sick, but I was still testing negative. And then I woke up one morning, and I'm like, I amazingly feel better like i really am special and my immune system is really kicks ass (laughs) (laughs) i truly am blessed um and then i took a test and i uh was positive and i thought but i think i'm but i think i'm over the hump but i was not the hump was still in was in front of me and then i started feeling like really bad for a number of days so yeah just the irony though i'm better now yeah and and yeah go ahead but just the irony of like i don't i don't want to go to your party because i'm afraid of getting it and then we go there and I end up getting it. So, yeah, it, um, yeah, it sucked. Two two people had it here, it turned out, or three, two or three people. Oh, really? Had, and I had to tell everybody. So that's not. Oh, that ideal, would have freaked but, me out. Did it? But I mean, did, luckily now it's the mild COVID for almost everybody. Um. Yes. Although the strain that we had, so we had it like a month ago. Um, For me, it was not mild. It didn't feel mild. Like it's very, uh, it feels very like whack-a-mole like some people Mm -hmm. i know people who've had it i know a lot of people who had it around the time that i had it and they also felt like they were very sick but then i hear of people who are like yeah it was just like cold symptoms for a day so i I don't know uh what determines whether i don't know if it's at the strain or if it's the viral load or what but all i'm saying is biden got it twice back to back and he's up and around and he's like 300 years old so (laughs) (laughs) it's not as strong as it once was this is this is well for sure it's not. I mean, and it's not affecting people's breathing. So wait, let's go back to this uh, blood clot that almost took you out. Yes. What happened? Um, you know, I was starting nowhere comedy, um, which was a pretty big endeavor, and then my now fiance started a company that I was working with her around the clock, also helping her get off the ground called Save Our Graduation because they were canceling graduations everywhere, and we realized that with everything we had learned about running virtual. Uh, comedy shows and recreating the, the feeling of a live show by producing on top of Zoom, we could do the same with live graduations and give people, give these kids still a graduation. And, but we were not, you know, neither of these businesses were, were funded. We're doing them all completely bootstrapped. And I was working like 16 hour, 17, 18 hour days and just stupidly sitting down the entire time and not even like getting up to take a break or walk around for five minutes and that's what leads to a blood clot. And um, all of a sudden, just uh, one morning randomly, and I hadn't barely moved, so it didn't make sense. I had like a very sore calf or mm-hmm. sore back of my right leg. and for But it lasted a week. Like, that happens sometimes to last for like an hour or a day. Yeah. It lasted for like seven days. And it was just a kind of like, you know, mild but pretty annoying. And then I went on like day six or day seven, I went to the Black Lives Matter protest. This is still during the pandemic, but everybody risked it. And we went out and with hundreds of thousands of people. And I walked four miles that day in, in that March and came home and felt fine. And the next day I woke up and I couldn't walk. Oh, wow. My leg was like in extreme pain. I was like hobbling around and 
that's when I, that's when Carmel made sure I made a doctor's appointment. It was a virtual appointment. And the doctor said, um, come in tonight. You got to come in tonight. And I, uh, instead of going straight to the doctor, went to a movies pop-up event to go hang with my buddy, Kevin, my, uh, my, uh, buddies, Kevin Smith and Jason Muse at their pop-up restaurant. Cause I wanted to go say hi and hang out. And that was the night I ended up meeting or the day I ended up meeting Rosario Dawson too, which led to this great relationship, mm. working relationship together where she and I ended up producing the telethon for America together and hosting it together virtually in 2020 with, with Alyssa Milano and all this cool stuff. So I'm glad I went, but I went to this like casual event and had like a alcoholic drink out of a Capri sun pouch and had like fried chicken. And I'm taking all these photos and interviewing with Kevin hanging out. And then someone was like, this actress I did some movies with, was like, do you want to come next door? We're going to a bar. And I'm like, ah, should I go? And Carmen's like, we should probably go to the hospital. I'm like, all right. Went to the hospital straight. And they were like, if you wait another hour, you might've died. Like, thank God you came now. Took the ultrasound or the MRI. I don't remember what it was. And they called me as I was walking out of the ultrasound room. They called and said, whoa, stop. You need to immediately go and get injections of, of uh, blood thinners. Wow. And they put me on seven days of blood thinner injections twice a day being injected in the stomach and then three months of blood thinners after that. And um, if it ever came back or comes back, I'd have to be on blood thinners for life. Thank God it hasn't yet. And I've had a couple scares where I'm like, why does my leg feel weird? Am I going to be on pills the rest of my life? And if I get a paper cut, I'm going to bleed out and die. (laughs) And luckily that has not happened. So knock on wood. When you talk to the doctor in the virtual appointment, did they suspect it was, and they told you to come in, did they suspect it might be a blood clot? Oh, they, he thought it probably was. He thought okay. it was a good chance. Just from Did he tell you it. that? Yeah, looking at it blue, like looking at it through the video, it looked like blue and kind of a little bit um, like bulbous or whatever. And they were like, it looks a little weird. Like, obviously, I can't tell in video, but I would come in urgently. And at that point, you thought, I'm going to go hang out with Rosario yep. Dawson and have chicken? Yep. What were you thinking? Uh, that came gonna... out more judgmental than I meant. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm fine with that. I like being challenged. Uh, it was after, I don't know how many months lockdown at that point. It was like five, six months. We were finally yeah. like a little bit allowed to go out. And I was very much looking forward to this. And, you know, I'm in the, the Jay and Silent Bob reboot movie. I'm part of that world. I don't ever get to go to events like that. There right. haven't been events in forever, let alone one with like some of my favorite people and these icons you know and i got to go hang in a very small intimate invite only group and i'm like i'll just come to pop by there on the way to the hospital and i did it and uh i don't know if i regret it or not but it led to this photo this photo was taken that day i mean that's kind of cool that is very cool stop groceries me kevin and jay muse thank you so i think it's worth it if i had died it's a pretty good way to go out well listen I can't think of a better segue to talk to you about life insurance. We pay hundreds of dollars per year to protect our homes, our cars, and even our phones, but too many of us aren't taking steps to protect our family's finances. Mortgage payments, private student loans, and other types of debts don't just disappear if something happens to you. A life insurance policy can provide your loved ones with a financial cushion they can use to cover those costs, and it can provide you with peace of mind that even in worst-case scenarios, for example, Ben, 
like what you're just describing, if it had gone south, they'll be protected. Life insurance typically gets more expensive as you age. So it's smart to get a policy sooner rather than later. Uh, policy Genius is an insurance marketplace that makes it easy to compare quotes from top companies like AIG and Prudential in one place to find your lowest price on life insurance. You could save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. Options start at just $17 per month for $500,000 of coverage. Just click on the link in the description or head to policygenius.com to get personalized quotes in minutes and find the right policy for your needs. The licensed agents at Policy Genius work for you, not the insurance companies. They're on hand throughout the entire process to help you understand your options so you can make decisions with confidence. Policy Genius doesn't add on extra fees. Your personal info is private. Policy Genius doesn't sell your details to third parties. Policy Genius has thousands of five-star reviews across Google and Trustpilot. Policy Genius has options that offer coverage in as little as a week and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Since 2014, Policy Genius has helped over 30 million people shop for insurance and placed over $150 billion in coverage. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. Again, that's policygenius.com. Okay. Um, so tell me more about founding Nowhere Comedy Club. So right when the pandemic hit, and it was so weird because I had like this very brief window. I mean, obviously everybody had these two years that were kind of <laughs> thrown in the garbage, but I had a whole year before that away from my normal life too, running for office. And so I hadn't been a normal comedian now, you know, now still for like three years plus. And there was a brief window in between from January 1st or December 31st, 2019 through March, mid-March when the world shut down, where I was like trying to reemerge into my normal life. And I had this crazy night at the comedy store, even uh, with Chappelle, this like very insane experience, very cool time. And I finally felt like, oh, okay, I'm like totally back. This is fine. I went in that day feeling not not good and it changed. And I felt like, wow, I'm like fully back where I was and I feel good about things. And then the world shuts down and all ability to make money for comedians disappears. All entertainment venues shut down for the globe. And I just, I honestly wouldn't have been able financially to survive it if I didn't think of something. So, you know, desperation's the, the, the mother of invention, as they say. And I just thought I cannot not tour for the next long amount of time. What do I do? And I just closed my eyes for a second. And I thought there has to be a way with how amazing technology is these days to create the experience of performing at a live venue on your computer. And I just thought about it for a minute. And I was like, if we just found the best video conferencing platform for it and let the audience keep their mics on and let them keep their cameras on and just like manage it, produce on top of it and make sure that they don't create disruptive sound, I bet that would feel very similar to performing live. And that was the premise. And I called my friend, Steve Hofstetter, who's like amazing at executing business ideas. Cause I've had, you know, as I'm sure many of us have multiple billion dollar ideas that then get done by somebody else or appear elsewhere in the world. Yeah. And I'm like, gosh, darn it. I could have been, I thought of electric cars for crying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> I could have been a billionaire naming my son. Zil, 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 blah. But so it's I'm like my not. friend, my friend Corinne is like, I invented 
pinstripe shirts. <laughs> did, did you really? She's like, I invented that. Have you know, like seen the... a swimsuit photo from the 20s? <laughs> <I don't... laughs> she invented that. <laughs> How old is your friend? She is surprised. She's deceptively young looking. <laughs> oh, okay, fair enough. So yeah. she's very old. Got it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so we just cooked up this plan and we started to first as this live stream free show on YouTube and Facebook called the Social Distancing Social Club. SDSC became this kind of big thing and got this cult following and kind of created this community that people like really latched onto during this very hard time. And people that, I mean, we were getting emails every day that like this, this was like saving people's lives. Like they didn't know if they would have gotten through the pandemic without this community. And then we took it further and thought, well, what, what, what if we take my idea of turning it into an actual comedy club instead of a free live stream show, create an actual venue. You can buy tickets and you can be part of a show. And we did it. We launched it. And, um, and within a short matter of a few weeks, we all of a sudden were doing shows with, with from up and comers to the biggest names in comedy. Um, we, we've to this day done over 650 shows, millions of dollars of revenue for comedians that weren't able to make money during the pandemic, created this whole community where people could actually see live events often more intimately than they would at a club. You normally aren't going to get to interact with these people. Um, and we've had, you know, shows from Bill Burr and Sarah Silverman. And, um, we built this, ended up building a studio in my home. That's just a few feet over there, a full on production studio. You know, what's weird is I have this vague memory. I'm wondering, is it a real memory or is it like a video that I saw that it does not bode well that I can't tell the difference. (laughs) What is that? But I feel like when I was at, but this would have been in February. So it was before the pandemic. But I feel like when I was at your house and you were giving me like a little tour, you showed me a room that was a movie room or like a theater. And you like were sort of showing me that you were creating a uh, something or other that I think is what you must have turned into yes. Nowhere Comedy Club, but were you starting to build out something where you could like perform in front of a screen? I was not yet building that out, no, but I showed you yet. Yeah, it was just a movie theater screening yeah. room that I had in my house and I would just watch stuff there. And okay. and so, it became, we built it way out and instead of the one screen, we ended up having three screens. So you're surrounded by 30 feet of video walls. Were and- there like news videos about like look at nowhere comedy club there look were, what yes, they've built yes. okay so in my mind i've merged and tons on my social and New yeah York so i've okay i've conflated my experience there with cameras showing the thing so that in my mind you showed it to me wonderful wonderful <laughs> that that's happening to me <laughs> your brain has now jumped the shark there's no turning back post-truth era is official i'm not even here right now it's, i'm a digital avatar just so you know, I know. okay now, I realize that it's going to be hard for you to answer this question honestly, given that you have a uh, vested interest since you own and founded Nowhere Comedy Club, which the premise is it's the same as being in person, but close given- to not, not, not the same. After Bill Burr performed here and I'd, I'd sold him on, this is so close to being in person. And I'm walking him to his car after he just performed for 2,500 people in Australia, New Zealand. I said, So what do you think? And he goes, Was it as. Was it just like performing in person? No fucking way. But I go, okay, was it way better than performing these drive-through, these uh, drive-in shows, comic stories, where they honk at you? He goes, way fucking better, not even comparable. This was amazing. And then he ranted about it on his podcast for five minutes about how much he loved it and how real it felt. So 
go ahead with your question, but I just wanted to get that in there right quick. Well, that pretty much answered it. I mean, the question was just going to be for Tony, who hates Zoom so much. (laughs) And I have to agree, Zoom does not really hold a candle to in-person. I just wanted to know, like, how close do you feel like it gets to in-person? It gets very close. I mean, Zoom on its own, yes, for sure. But that's what the magic we created was. And we literally became, we helped, we kind of created an industry. We reinvented what touring can be. And us and this other company became the two leaders of this like brand new industry. And they don't even try to recreate live. And we're the only ones who do I mean, with this big New York times profile that's featured on my wall. And they're right there in the studio. And it's because you're seeing the faces of the audience big and hearing them. That's right. The I just wanted to solve yeah. for every issue that was wrong with zoom and that people complain about, but not just for the performers, for the audience as well. So what we do is there's 30 feet of video screens, but even a lot of the performers don't come to the studio. They still perform mm-hmm. from their home computer, but we produce it. It's all in the producing. It's all in the details. Everything is in the details in life, right? If you just log on to a thing and do it, then it's kind of boring. But so when it's in studio, we also have a backstage camera. So we, and we cut to that. We spotlight it so the audience can see the performer's view over the shoulder. So they Got can it. see that Bill Burr is seeing them. Mm-hmm. So now, and they see this beautiful studio that they're in, they're virtually in it and they can tell the comics seeing it and they feel part of this bigger thing. It's much bigger than just a box in, in, in someone's bedroom, you know? And so right there they do it. We produce the sound. So we have all of them adjust their audio, the whole audience reduce their audio very low to, to the exact right level pre-show. We have rules and videos so that they can laugh and be heard, but the com- comedian still amplified above them like in a real venue. We have pre-show music. We have pre-show videos with set the rules, an exciting countdown. We have show manager. We have opening comics. We have, and it's just, you hear the laughter. And so we've just solved for every issue. So when you do a show with us, you actually feel like we're the live crowd. We encourage people to laugh. The laughter doesn't disrupt the audio like it does on Zoom for people typically. We turn original sound on, a bunch of deep features that we do to ensure it's different. And that's how we've been able to keep, you know, we have, I think Mike Birbiglia did like 30 shows with us. Wow. Todd Berry, uh, uh, Natasha Leggero. I mean, a million people. We had a, a, a lot of really great people. And then I created a monthly recurring show. I did all pandemic long with Greg Proops. Yes. Called... Greg and Glebe, it's a G thing. And it was a two-man whose line is it anyway? And oh, we would sell tickets to it. We'd do it once a month. And it was incredible. And it was so real. And, and we did a New Year's Eve show. And he got Scott Foley and Ryan Stiles to join us. And we had 300 people celebrating the new year with us. I did a recurring show. We're going to hopefully do it again soon. But I have did it twice with John Cleese called oh, wow. Please Glebe Me Alone. <laughs> John, I'm, I'm literally headlined an event or, or, or had a recurring show with the, one of the great legends of all time in comedy and him and his daughter, Camilla Cleese and I host this three person show. I mean, John and I just did it together solo or the two of us just once. And it's incredible playing games with the audience, taking questions, being silly, talking shit to each other. Like he told me to shut up at some point. And then later, in the, later he says he was rounding on some answer. I'm like, John, shut up to one of the great legends. I was so, I turned red instantly. I couldn't believe I even said it. But, and you get to these experiences that just would not, right when that ended, John called me. I think he said it live during the VIP meet and greet too after the show, but he called me right afterwards and he says, you've created a new form of media. You've created a way that somehow this is a global performance where I felt connected to the whole audience and felt more intimate than any show I've ever done. We created something kind of special. It's kind of cool. And I'm trying to, and I speak about it so, so passionately because once the world opened up and because of Zoom fatigue, 
our numbers have dropped way down. People don't want to attend virtual shows anymore. Right. And it's really hard to get them to do so. And so I'm trying to explain that this is different. This feels like a night out. And wouldn't you like to sometimes not spend a hundred dollars on babysitters and parking and getting all dressed up and, or you can't, or you can't get a babysitter or people who live in remote areas or disabled people, people with social anxiety that could never ever go and enjoy a live comedy club. Now can have a night out while staying in. You can get drunk, you can get a little high, you can do whatever you'd like to do. And not have to worry about drunk driving or all the expenses. You just get to chill and literally see a live show. Once, once, one time only show. It'll never exist again. And it's private. It's not recorded. It'll never be seen again, but without leaving your house. It's something really cool. Yeah. Plus the pandemic's not over. Hello. Also true. Also <laughs> true. Yeah. You won't let me come to your house. So there's that. I know. I, know. I get, beg. Don't I get said, started on in. that. Uh, What's that? I said, don't get her. Don't get started. I know. Tony really... <laughs> Tony really wants to do in person again. I really want to do in person. I just don't. Uh, I don't know. How, I don't know how I'm living my life right now. You just I don't know had COVID. You'll be fine for many months. That's not true anymore. Now look at Biden. That's because he did that. That that Paxlovid. That Paxlovid. No, A and B. If it comes right back, it's 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 mild. This seems the second time, even more so. So it's like, well, I know. I mean, I hear you. I I talk in the special. This is actually true about how I've given up handshakes. Like there are some things that have changed. That was one of my favorite parts of the special. I oh, laughed so hard during the handshake <laughs> part. In fact, uh, we have, let's play a clip. Um, Tony, nice. play the, uh, uh, play the pointless therapy clip. Right. Please. Although I'm not even sure, honestly, the point of therapy with the world as it is now, you know, we're living in a post-truth era of fake news on an anti-science eroding democracy on a crumbling planet. I'm not sure my issues rank high on the list. <laughs> it's like, Ben, the planet's becoming uninhabitable and our leaders are corrupt idiots, but let's talk about your sleeping in. <laughs> Is that the issue you sleep in? <laughs> so it's important, you know, it's good to analyze your life. Analysis is good, but don't overdo it. Don't worry about it too much. If analysis were that important, it wouldn't be made up of the words anal and ISIS. <laughs> So <clears throat> you the say in the special King, August 14th. <laughs> you say in the special that you just recently started therapy. You had yeah. not done therapy before? I had never done therapy before about a year into the pandemic and um I was out of breath in that clip cuz it came right off of the story that I tell which is one of the yeah. things that made me realize I needed to go to get into therapy. Um I got into a big fight and and in a parking lot and a physical fight takes a lot out of yeah a physical fight and takes a lot out of me to tell that bit and so for the next minute or two in the special I was a little out of breath but um yeah I started therapy um it's been great it's really nice to be able to to have a person who his entire job is they're forced to let you talk about yourself for an hour <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big fan of therapy it's helped me immensely are you still in therapy um, now yeah yeah, I I have been sort of in and out for for a while, but I've been in uh for for ever since. Let's see, I went back into therapy about five months after I had Elliot, so I've been back in for like five years now. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. And do you and, go in person or is it virtual? Virtual now. I had started going in person again, and then I got COVID, so now I'm back to virtual because mm -hmm. I'm scared. The, I'm scared again. But the cool what thing about with, you? with the virtual, it's always been virtual. At the very beginning, she said I had the option to go to her office, but I chose not to. And for some reason, with my health care, if you do it virtually, they don't charge you. So I haven't oh, really? paid one penny. I have been in therapy for a year and a half for free. 
Nice. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Horrible. At the beginning, I was worried that um, I wouldn't like it uh, doing, I wouldn't like doing it virtually, but I find that it's like really, I've adjusted quite well to doing yeah. it virtually. It's like, it's like really kind of the same. It's pretty similar to this. And I get that feeds your argument of not having people in your house, whatever. But, but, um, <laughs> but that said, I also, I, I just started talking about this on stage since I'm rapidly now trying to develop a new hour of material because I'm about to retire my current hour in mm. just a couple days. Um, but, um, I, uh, my therapist is unlicensed. She's finishing she like her, a life coach. No, she's no, she's a therapist, but she's finishing her studies. So she's with my healthcare provider, but they told me she's unlicensed, but she's good if you want. And then, so I'm like, all right, fine. And she's good. But then sometimes she gives me advice that I was a little suspect and I always want to call her out. I always want to be like, well, we all know you don't know what you're talking about. We all know <laughs> this is not official yet. And then recently, all of a sudden we're doing virtual and she's in a different office and i'm like where are you and yeah. and she goes oh um they moved me to a smaller office i'm like that's not a good sign either no that's not a vote of and they're like they're shifting me mostly to casework now and i'm just do- dealing with a few other uh, clients and then a few a few patients and whenever you feel like you're ready to graduate if you ever need therapy again it'll be with somebody else i'm like they're taking you out of therapy and so who's the they here kaiser oh they and they also hmm. are always trying to push everybody out yeah too it's a different approach to therapy there that i don't like as much but i mean it, it kind of goal oriented so maybe it's good but they're not making money off of it so their goal right. is like just give some quick tips and get tell them they're fine and get them out of there so it's like cognitive behavioral therapy kind of as opposed to what kind the uh, all other kinds all the other <laughs> kinds the other, so wait a minute are they wrapping up are they wrapping up with you they're not rushing me at the moment but but she was trying to to finish me like like a couple, a few months ago. And then I was like, no, no, I got a lot of problems still. I'm still very messed up. You can't, no, get you hang on yet. to it. You hang yeah. on to it. I look at it like, uh, it's almost like massage therapy. Like it mm-hmm. just feels, if you can do it, mm-hmm. it's both goal oriented and it feels good to do it every week. Yes. It, it, hel- it like helps me to just dump my shit on someone and then yeah. move along. And I end up like, I feel like I dominate the sessions too much and like, don't let her kind of do her therapy enough. And like, I have a way of like kind of presenting things where I end up kind of, I don't know, getting what I want to hear sometimes. So I don't think it's the best, but like, so I would, I went in there initially cause I would just like, I was diagnosed as I also talk about in, in the special um, that I was diagnosed with ADHD during the pandemic or yeah, during the pandemic. And, and um, I finally realized why I don't ever tackle my to-do list well, why I have an album that I recorded a million years, like seven or eight years ago, I still haven't released, why I don't get to major things. And so that was ostensibly why I started therapy was to figure out how I can like fix this problem in my brain. But then I go in there and I talk about, I'm fighting with my dad. I'm fighting with my girlfriend. What do I do? And I ended up like just talking about all these like emotional interpersonal things. And then she was like, I think you're ready to graduate. I'm like, what do you mean? We haven't even talked in six months about the main problem why I came yeah. here, which was my ADHD. I'm nowhere near done. She's like, all right, fine. I'm, I'm, they're packing my boxes up and pushing me out the door as a therapist. But sure, I'll keep talking to you. She needs to give you a referral to someone else, with Maybe, a, but, someone with but, a bigger office. But explain, I, <laughs> I don't disagree with that. But how do you wrap somebody with more experience in therapy than I am? Maybe you can give me some guidance. How do you possibly wrap your head around telling somebody new everything again i feel like she already knows every bit of my inner psyche i'm gonna do that all again i know that that seems daunting yeah but 
it it is possible. And also, I know, and I know that this sounds, it sounds like, how can that be? But they don't actually, to be helpful, they don't actually need to know every single thing. Like, they can sort of jump, like, they're pros. They can kind of jump in and meet you where you're at. And, you know, like, the first few sessions, of course, are always like, getting to know, I think they call it like a cold intake. It's like getting to know you as, you know, getting like the the basic, all the details about your life and that kind of stuff and finding out like what's going on right now. So the first few sessions are going to be a retread, but then they can kind of help you with like the main things. They can help you with like the current stuff or whatever. And then, you know, you catch them up over time. Like this is the therapist I have now is my third therapist. And I'd say over time, but this is going back, you know, like the, I went to my first therapist when I was in college. Um, over time, I've sort of filled her in, uh, filled all them in on all my stuff. But like, you've had three therapists in ten years. I'm that young. No, I'm not that young. <laughs> um, yeah, it's thank thank you. I am that. I'm that young. <laughs> I would have um, it. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know that is daunting, though. It is daunting I, to think of starting Even if they over. can jump in, I wouldn't let them. I would like my neurotic brain would need to tell them every thought I've had, every problem I've had, and every reason why I think I have it and every roadblock I hit because of that and just to get them up to speed. Otherwise, I feel like they're going to give me advice that won't be applying to my particularly messed up brain. So then, so then you do that. Then right. you will do that. That'll be okay. Yeah, or I can just stick with this one person while she – during the session is like putting like books in a cardboard box and measuring, see if she can get the couch out the door and stuff. I mean, is she going to become not a therapist anymore? No, she says that she's just, she presents it as she is trying to focus more on casework. She would like to do that. That's her, but they save the bigger offices for the therapist and oh. casework doesn't need as much room, but she seems pleased about it as she presents to me. But then also she had this like beautiful view outside the new office of like trees and stuff. And this little garden is like kind of like forest looking view. And I'm like, that's beautiful. It must be very Zen to at least have that. And I noticed in our last session, it's a light box and it's not even a window. It's just a flipping <laughs> fake. So everything's a facade. I don't know who to believe anymore. My therapist is. Is she AI? Is, oh my God. Does she exist? She really might be AI. She's interesting. She's very stoic. Sometimes doesn't have the emotions I would expect a human to have. There you go. Does she glitch? I mean, when I talk, a lot of people glitch, but <laughs> I don't hold that against them. Let's do some questions that uh, listeners sent in on Patreon. I'm on Patreon, patreon.com. Patreon. Allison Rosen. Uh, all sorts of fun stuff there. Bonus episodes. I almost episodes. had a heart attack hearing that sound effect, by the way. I, almost, <laughs> I didn't expect it's been an hour without any sound effects. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh, my God, a bunch of demons are yelling Patreon at me. That might be the case. Um, and uh, have you ever been one of my bonus uh, Patreon guests? Have I ever done a Patreon bonus episode with you? I think I have. I okay. think I think even when it, the one where I was running for office, we did it in bonus right after. Is that possible? Quite possible. Well, I'm going to have to have you back. Um, yes. uh, so uh, bonus episodes with your favorite guests. Uh, and then you can watch videos of the Thursday show, like where Tony had his just world famous sh- 
shit fit. Uh, and there's a level where you can text me and I'll text you back. I do live streams, fun stuff, patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. And you can submit questions for my guests and we have a song. When we ask, they send them in. They're wondering how you have been. So thanks so much for answering these questions from our fans. All right. West Anthony says the Charlie Kirk fetus fiasco was priceless. I enjoyed that as well. Are there any other conservatives you'd like to smack down? And now I think before answering that, you should you should tell them what he's referring to. Sure. And I talk about it also in the special. But um, I um, because I you know do political things sometimes. I was invited by Charlie Kirk. He slid into my DMs one day and asked me if I would fly out to Arizona to his studio and debate him on his new series, Debate Night. And he had, I think, kind of famously invited Congressman Eric Swalwell to do it. And Swalwell instead just put him on blast by posting a screenshot of the DM and said, no, I won't go and debate an insurrectionist who's made my family less safe. And I instead thought, yes, I will go debate an insurrectionist. I will destroy him on his own show and make him walk out of his own studio. I got this guy to storm out of his own show. (laughs) It was one of the highlights of my life. And I also negotiated that um, to be able to go, that I'd be able to shoot it also on my own iPhone and broadcast and put that up on my YouTube so they couldn't edit anything out, which he did edit out initially, him, him storming out. And... I negotiated that they would provide, it would fly me out, put me up in a nice hotel, pay for a car service and pay for my meals when I was there. And so after I got him to storm off and security escorted me out of the building, Carmel was there with me. We still had a driver all night and the driver took us to the most expensive sushi restaurant we could find in Arizona. And we had a $270 sushi dinner on Charlie Kirk after I humiliated him for an hour 20. But um, the clip he's talking about was (gasps) I had this one particular moment planned to just prove how much of a blowhard idiot he is and doesn't know what he's talking about. I pulled out a photo of a fetus and I said, do you truly in your heart of hearts believe this is a human being? And he goes, without a doubt. I said, With, without a doubt? He goes, yes. I go, that's a dolphin fetus. <laughs> and the look on his face was just glorious. He looked to his producer. He looked like, he's like, oh my God, that's on camera. This will, And that clip will never leave him. I think yes. people will shout dolphin fetus at him. Um, the rest of his life, and thank God he deserves it. I have a picture painting of a dolphin fetus on the poster of my special. <laughs> I, I wear it like a badge of honor. So very excited so about smart. that. Thank you. Um, and I also like continued to hammer as he was embarrassed. I was going on a rant. I'm like, do you often confuse dolphins and human babies? <laughs> do you ever go to SeaWorld and think, oh my God, they've got a human baby in that aquarium? I just had a very fun run with it, and then released like 20 more memes from that debate of me owning him in like 10 to 10 to 30 second chunks, or you can watch the whole debate on my youtube.com slash be and watch the whole damn thing and just watch a guy get put in his place while learning a lot about abortion. Cause I studied hard for it. I was getting advised by some really knowledgeable people by Planned Parenthood, by Narrow unofficially um, gave me a lot of great advice and talking points and stuff. So that was cool. But um, so yes, other conservative, I mean, I would, I would love so much to be able to sit down with Trump and just own him left and right. That'll probably never happen. Although he was just heckled at a golf course slightly at his own golf course. I just saw that clip, but um, I recently infiltrated QAnon. I will be dropping that video sometime soon. Yeah. I, this is like, I guess not even recently anymore. Now pre pandemic, I was 
in was it even pre-pandemic no it wasn't it was at the end it was after it was it was when world opened back up i did a mini tour at the end of 2021 and i was in dallas doing shows that's where the jfk jr sect of QAnon was where they were meeting every day at the jfk assassination site mm. and they believe that any day now jfk jr is going to come back oh right and either become president or become Donald Trump's running mate to run in 2024. <laughs> I love just the very basic idiocy that somebody knows in their heart and believes that this person is going to come back from the dead, but doesn't know if they're going to be pre- president or run on a ticket with somebody else. Right. Pretty amazing. Right. So I infiltrated them with hidden cameras. And I think I'm probably going to drop that as like a, as like a uncut, like 40 minute descent into the mind of a bunch of very stupid people. <laughs> um, Wow. I like got it kind of gained their trust, these four ladies, and I walk with them for like 30 minutes as they leave the site and the things they share that they believe. And at the end, I, I present to them a piece of evidence that I fa- fabricated in my hotel room in one minute, and then they end up believing it. And like, it's did you say it was easy. hidden cameras? Yes. So, do you need to get releases or anything like that? Like, how does that work? Well, the incredibly beautiful thing about the very stupid laws governing the very stupid state of texas oh you don't need to it's a one-party consent state which literally means i can film somebody and broadcast or do whatever i want with it as long as i know i'm recording (laughs) (laughs) so as long as no one has sprung it as long as the camera didn't surprise you yeah as long as i'm not unaware or have amnesia that i'm filming myself i'm all good so that is to their detriment. That's why wow. often also hidden camera shows shoot in Vegas because they have the same law. Right, right. Um, but Amazing. also, I also just take chances sometimes, you know? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. With Charlie Kirk, was your goal to get him to walk off or was that just a No, a nice I didn't, well, my goal wasn't to get him to walk off, but my goal was that if things got heated enough and got to the right moment, I was going to call him out on his having created and ginned up the insurrection on Jan 6. I mean, he funded it. He funded, it was the main sponsor. His talking points, USA was the main sponsor of the, but he was denying the rally it. Yeah. on the ellipse. Yeah. And he was denying it, but he did it and was encouraging people to go there and fight and sent buses of people to yeah. DC on Jan 6. And I just called him out on all of that and like very loosely tied it back into abortion as he stands on top of me with, with what looks like, like an erection in his pants. It's pretty strange. <laughs> I literally think him talking about controlling women is the only thing that makes him hard. And he was standing over with, to, to shake my hand as he was storming, about to storm off. Like he's, he was done with the conversation. I keep making my point. And I'm like, oh, you don't take responsibility for, for uh, Jan 6? You want people to cut you some slack? Maybe, maybe then, oh, that, that kind of like how people, people should cut women some slack who, who fall into a situation they didn't plan, that they didn't want to be responsible for. Of right, the unintended getting, consequences. Yeah, I phrased it better. I'm not remembering now. It's been some time. But, um, and then he just walked off. I stood up and shook his hand and he stormed off and didn't let us finish the conversation. Wait, do you think he actually had an erection? I don't know. Did you see that clip? Yes, and I, I wasn't looking at his crotch, but I am going to now go back and, and see <laughs> if he did. One of the memes we released, we zoom in on his crotch to show it. I mean, he stands up and there's just a straight on thing coming right out yeah. the middle of his pants. I, I don't know. Cause you now be I'm judge. remembering I had Liz Winstead on. I love her. And there's something she was talking about, like some guy. Oh yeah. That's right. Yell- was it him or was it like someone? 
I, I, I don't know if it was like a notable conservative or just like a, you know, anonymous conservative yelling at a a woman, but with a heart on like something that turned this guy on was like yelling at a, a woman about abortion. And like the guy had a, an erection. I'm just it's just like a vague memory. Right, yeah. Tony? Yeah, I know. As you were as Ben was telling the story, I yeah. was like, why does, why is this familiar to me? Like, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I didn't remember it was Liz, but yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I also, I also pointed out, speaking of, of erections and, uh, hypocrisy of, of anti-choice positions is, um, uh, I called him a genocidal murderer. I said, if you think that, that truly when something is a couple of cells is a human baby, then you're a genocidal murderer every time you masturbate, Charlie. <sighs> that's independent autonomous little sperms swimming around by the yeah. millions that you're flushing down the toilet every time you masturbate what do you say mean, he just changed topics he moves on these people are very good at just diverting attention I, what I'm good at doing is bringing them right back so I was able to get him to answer stuff a lot more than most people usually do but he was successful a few times at changing topics on me I'm surprised uh that they that they agreed to let you film it and air it yourself. Good for yeah. you for fighting for that. Was, now, who good. were you? Who were you like negotiating with? With his producer. I mean, Charlie initially DM'd, but then they put me in touch with his, his producer, and back and forth, very nice lady. I mean, seemingly nice. Um, and uh, I just negotiated. I don't know why they must have thought they were going to have a much easier time. Maybe hadn't done their research properly about um, about uh uh how good I am at debating people or how much I know because he thought he was going to be able to walk all over me. And so I think they just really wanted to have me on because I was making a lot of demands. You're paying for this. You're doing this. You're letting me record. You're letting me put it up unedited. You're not allowed for your edit to take anything out of context. You can just cut out dead time, et cetera, et cetera. And um, they agreed to all of it. And I know people that did their, that did his debate night that didn't get any of that and didn't ask. Was there anything they said no to? Uh, I don't think there really was. I mean, I don't think there was. Um, they pretty much capitulated on everything. And um, I'm very glad that that worked out that way. You know, another big conservative that I've, you know, had a long standing relationship with, and I don't really anymore, but I've owned many times on cameras, Tommy Laren. Um, I've enjoyed making her feel stupid. And I stormed off her show. And that's what ended our relationship. When I was running for office, I stormed off her show on Fox News and New York. I was on a panel on one of the debate nights with her and this other person whose brain is pretty small and and this guy, Brandon Strzok. I don't even like saying his name. I don't know why I said it, but the founder of the walkway movement who ended up being an insurrectionist and jailed for 9-11, uh, for, for Jan 6. And um, I was like battling three on one and I was still owning these people. And that video is on my YouTube too. It's, it, it kind of blew up recently where I, I just systematically kind of crush all their Fox News talking points. Hmm. My sentence ended early there. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you heard from Charlie Kirk since? No, but he still follows me on Twitter. So I think he's still got an eye. Tommy no longer follows me after that incident, but I have not heard from Charlie. But it was funny too because they put up the whole debate and they just said debates comedian Ben Glebe and they cut out the whole end part the, the mm -hmm. whole bonus section where he storms off but then after I posted it and it went kind of viral then they posted another whole version of the whole debate where it says Charlie Kirk humiliates so-called comedian Ben yeah. Glebe and, and they have the whole thing up there 
And it's like, how, first of all, how can you say so called? You had me on your show and invited me. What if that just speaks right. to the who you can't book then, I guess. Right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, so wait, I'm sorry, this is not important, but for some reason I'm stuck on it. So wait, is it standard though for them to fly the guests out and put them up in a hotel and all that? Or was that something that like you got them no, to I do No, I think for that you? was standard. That was that standard. Is standard. There okay. was no pay, but they would pay for right. your, your expenses and, and fly you out. Got it. That was standard. Um, Okay, Whitney. And it was a really nice hotel, by the way, too. They put us up in this like Arizona Grand Resort with had like like wave pools and a lazy river. And my fiance Carmel loves lazy rivers and rarely ever gets to experience them. And so it was the most funny dichotomous debate prep. My last the debate was like at four or five p.m. I had to be at the studio, and at eleven a.m. until about three p.m. we were in the lazy river, and. She was just holding on to my tube in her own tube, and I'm studying abortion, <laughs> everything in the lazy river. And just she's just like relaxed as can be. And every ten minutes, I'd be like, "Babe, do you mind looking up the exact text of the Thirteenth Amendment? Babe, do you mind telling me?" The, and I had like a research partner right there that was just helping me prep. I was relaxed while like pouring into my brain my talking points, and I could respond saying this if he says this and ways to pin him, and prepping while also getting a great tan. Yeah. I mean, the thing about that side is that they have deep pockets. Oh, yeah. Very deep. They send cars. They fly you around. And and that's the least of it. I mean, they have millions and millions and they have enough pockets to send buses of people to create an insurrection and all this stuff. And and with the uh, dolphin fetus clip, too, was interesting because I knew it was going to be a gold moment. I knew that would be the biggest moment. And I couldn't get the right photo and I couldn't get one high resolution enough to print it and blow it up and I ended up being late to the studio because we had to stop at like an office depot in <laughs> to Arizona to get it fetus. printed what's that to print your dolphin yes. fetus and Carmel was like why does this picture matter and I'm like trust me this yeah. will matter yeah and she has you know okay. since apologized for for putting her foot down on that one um Jisoko wants to know where's his milkshake where's do you remember milk? this reference no tony will refresh your memory where's the milkshake (laughs) the soundbite yes do you remember i do remember it now yes i don't remember where it is um i do know that uh i'll drink it up drink your milkshake allison are you drinking the milkshake (laughs) allison are you drinking the milkshake you're worth it in and out milkshake based soundbite Oh, I mean, I don't remember the context of the story. What was the story I told about Great Milkshake? You were in and out and you saw Caitlyn Jenner. Oh, yes. Oh. And she wanted to know where her milkshake was. Oh, that was her asking the question. Where's my milkshake? (laughs) Excuse me. Can I have a milkshake, please? Yes. Yes. That's what it was. Yes. Um, Sam Randall wants to know, favorite TV show he's watched lately? I loved season one of Only Murders in the Building. Yes. Have you watched season two? Not yet. Not yet. I'm looking forward to watching it, even though I can't get the only negative of the show. And even though she's good in the show, I can't understand how a famous trained singer's speaking voice, Selena Gomez, talks like this. Tim (laughs) Tim Kono is in the building. She does sound like that. That is her voice. That's full on Muppet. Yes. Uh, Come on over here, guys. You mind? It's like, what is this? Yes. (laughs) It's very strange. But I've been enjoying that show. Um, what other shows have I been enjoying lately? 
we've been we we finished season five of Better Call Saul. I'd given up on 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 it, and then we heard it got really great again, and we watched it. and It did get pretty damn great, and we thought it was the end. We thought we hit the end of the series, but you didn't. And then there's apparently a season six. Yeah, so we're about right. to start watching that. Um, have you watched Severed? Yes, so Severance. good, right? Severance, Severance, Severance. Yes. God damn it! This is the second <laughs> podcast where I've made this mistake today. <laughs> yes, I kind of want to work at. Uh, Lululemon. What's the company called in the show? <laughs> Lumen. Lumen. It's been a while since I watched it a while ago. Hence my now uh, changing the title of it. Severed. I said yeah, severed this here. morning. I kind of severed. my my uh, f- uh, fake therapist recommended that I watch it actually. Really? I, yeah. What was and the I, on what grounds? I, I think she was just saying about like how I feel like I'm constantly like bombarded by by work and I never have a minute break in my brain. She's like, well, mm. there's a way to do it. <laughs> You can sever your brain. And I kind of want to work there, even though it's a horrible, cold, miserable place to work. I kind of just want to work there. It seems also like I like the vibe. I like the outfits. And I also would love to be able to just occasionally go down to R&D and touch fingers with Christopher Walken. Yes. Tony, have you seen it? No, I still haven't seen it. I've heard nothing but great things. But. It's really good. Tony, come down here. Touch my fingers. (laughs) (laughs) Touch my fingers, Tony. Please. Uh, Um, and lastly, Whitney C. says, what things or people in life are you loyal to? Whitney Cummings, your old friend. Thanks for writing in, Whit. Um, <laughs> uh, things or people am I loyal to? My girlfriend, my fiance now, my dog, Henry, my family, mm-hmm. my parents, my best friends, um, and you know, my lifelong best friend, Scott, since college, Jason, since high school. We're about to have a 30-year wedding, wedding 30-year friendship anniversary. Uh, and I'm loyal to the truth, and I'm loyal to justice, and I'm loyal to comedy. I'll, I'll do anything for a joke. I'm loyal. He didn't ask for me to list everything. Just that's, these are that's good, a lot of them. Yeah, these are good answers. All right. Given the time. Ice cream, we, banana ice cream. Banana ice cream. Oh, the best flavor possible. Really? And you can't get it anywhere, almost nowhere. When I see it, I grab it always. But I've got a hack for you to have banana ice cream is just go to Cold Stone and get the regular flavor and have them mash in banana and it tastes very similar and it's incredible. Tony, does this fill you with rage? Not rage. Hey man, like what you like. Bananas, Thank not you. for me. Not for you. No. My fiance is allergic to them and she loves oh. them and she can't eat them. So it's What happens if she eats them? She turns into a like, kind of a monster, kind of a hulk. <laughs> Carmel, what happens to you when you eat, eat bananas? You, you, you kind of turn into a monster, right? <laughs> oh my god she's so agreeable she is this is pre-monster all right let's do hey go fuck yourself ben not you like you're saying that to me i know it like, did feel that way aggressive. hey go I'm fuck sorry. yourself ben ben wow. go fuck yourself wow. ben do you have is there anyone you'd like to tell something to sure go fuck yourself allison i'm kidding oh wow i, I didn't see that. that didn't see, see that it coming. hurt it hurt mm-hmm. right it did um no I would like to just generally for the entire group of Karens, go fuck yourself, Karens. Oh. I'm just so, I, I shouldn't have said it until the end. I'm sorry, but. It's fine. I'm very tired of just people that somehow think that they can impose their will on other people in a free, autonomous world. How can you allow, autonomous is the wrong word in that sentence, definitely misuse that word. But the point is, how can you. They know that they have the same amount of rights and not more than any other person, but they decide their will, their opinion, their desire, their annoyance is more important than the other person's right 
to their life and they, to their freedom, to their happiness. And they come over and be like, listen, I know this is a public park or a public beach or a market, but you should leave. You should go. You should stop. Oh, to those Karens everywhere, I would like to say, hey, 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 go fuck yourself. I need to take a moment now. I am uh, airing oh, I some dirty. I would have said it angrier. I am dirting. I'm dirting some airy laundry. I'm airing Makes some sense. dirty laundry mm-hmm. and like saying. This. I'm saying the following, Ben. I've got a humongous compliment for you. Tony can. Uh, Tony can agree. I think I know what you're even going to say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you nailed that. Every is is that what you thought I was going to say? Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a hard segment to pull off properly, I feel like. Yeah. Now, people who listen might not be aware how much editing has to happen to make it seem like the guest understood my instructions, which <laughs> might be a me problem. There's a lot. There's every look. I'm just fully airing the dirty laundry. Every episode where we do this segment involves me explaining it at the beginning and then we do it. And then there's some editing on both ends. And then I think like, how am I explaining it? What's happening that I'm explaining it wrong? Or I just don't under, but you did it perfectly, Ben. Oh my God. You you. deserve a crown more than the regular one you wear. Thank you. It's very, I don't normally wear a crown. You're mad king crown. No, I appreciate that. But I don't want people to think I'm wearing a crown or listening just the audio. You're wearing a crown and I love That's it. That's true. It's a, it's tasteful. I did have a crown that it broke and then my where is it? Is it still here? My uh bad ones got me a crown that is it's not here. So that was a big waste of your time. I'm sorry. But they got me this like child's toy crown and it was hilarious That's fun. and very humbling. That's fun. I like that. Ben Glebe, this was so much fun. Thank you so much for spending your evening with us. Tell everyone where they can find you. Obviously, August 14th, they're going to be watching YouTube. Thank you so much. Uh, that's the main thing. You know, you can follow me at Ben Glebe on socials. I'm posting five videos a week, lots of stand up, crowd work, random bits, messing with people. Some of my Young Turks videos cut down. You can watch my Young Turks videos three times a week on the Young Turks Rebel HQ. Just look up Rebel HQ on Facebook or YouTube and click my playlist. Just find my playlist and click it. And three videos a week kind of commenting on the world. And um, you can watch my Game Show Idiot Test on weekends on Game Show Network or anytime on Pluto TV. But more than anything, I just really hope that people watch The Mad King. And if you like it, it's on YouTube. Specifically, I, I chose to not even pitch it. My first special was on Showtime, and it just didn't do enough for me that I wanted it to do. And Netflix hasn't knocked down my door. If you can't get Netflix, I don't think there's any other place but YouTube mm. to release a special. It's the only place you can blow up these days. You can get millions of views. You can share yeah. it easily. So because I'm choosing to do that, it's because I wanted to spread, hopefully, if you'd like it only. If you don't like it, don't share it, obviously. Or do still if you want to, or don't. I but, say what I always say is if you like what you're listening to, or even if you don't, please, you know, so I would tell them regardless, that. share I'll it. Take yeah. That. But yeah. Pl- yeah, cause negative comments help you in the algorithm too, but just please share it. If you watching on YouTube makes you laugh at the end, click share, copy the link and put it on your socials and tell some people with the hashtag, the mad King would be incredible. Um, and I'm going to be doing a live watch party for the premiere when it, I don't remember when this drops, but this is going to air on Monday. So a week before. 
Well, oh, six perfect, days before. Perfect. So you can all join me. I'm going to be putting on, on my socials. I'll be watching it live with you when it drops at 8 p.m. Eastern on August 14th. I'll be doing a free Nowhere Comedy Club event where you can be in, in the Zoom with me, watching on your own computer. And I'll be answering any question live in the comments and talking to all of you right afterwards live. So you can get a free ticket to that. Just stay tuned on my socials or NowhereComedyClub.com for that. But BenGlebe.com will have all the info that you need or my Twitter or whatever. Um, and uh, come and, and be part of the madness. What a fun time. And listen, follow me on social media at Allison Rosen on Twitter and Instagram. If you like what you're hearing, or even if you don't, please make sure you're subscribed. Tell your friends. Leave us a nice comment on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. And listen to my other podcasts, Upworthy Weekly. The Upworthy Weekly, that is my news podcast, my lighthearted news podcast that comes out on Saturdays and Childish. That's my uh, parenting-ish podcast that I do with Greg Fitzsimmons every other Wednesday. And um, I already mentioned Patreon, and I feel like I'm forgetting something, but I don't know what that is. Tony, what about you? I'm Twitter and Instagram at Tony Thaxton and Bizarre Albums every Tuesday. And uh, yeah, I'll leave it at that for now. Yeah. Oh, I might have. I might. Maybe I mentioned it, or maybe I didn't. If you want to see this, that thing that we've been talking, that we've words not coming out of my mouth in the correct order. YouTube.com slash Allison Rosen is where you can see what you've been hearing and a lot of other stuff as well. YouTube.com slash Allison Rosen. Please go subscribe uh, over there and watch my and and hit the little bell thing or whatever. Get my videos, oh, please. Yeah. And YouTube.com slash Beeglebe. You'll get an alert when my special drops. Yeah. You don't even have to remember, even though it'd be nice if you did remember. Get our alerts, but also remember us. Click our bells. Yeah. Ding, dingle our, our bells. bells. Dingle bells. <laughs> thank you so much, listeners. Thank you for listening. I love you. You matter. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen show? We had a good time, but now we gotta go. Yeah, Allison Rosen is your new best friend.